Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. My guest this week is Julian Venonsky. He is a coxswain with Team USA Rowing. He's been to world championships and he has his sights set on the Olympic Games. He has an interesting story because he says he was never came out in rowing because he was never in. He just has always been himself. He uh, he just he never hid being gay from his teammates at Cal, where he won a national championship, or with Team USA. He says that his experience has been just fantastic. His life revolves around rowing, has revolved around rowing for years. And interestingly, while he has a boyfriend, he doesn't have a lot of gay friends, uh, other than friends of his boyfriend, because he's just been so dedicated to rowing, and rowing is so much of his life. We talk about all of that. We talk about aiming for the Olympic Games, uh, the chance that he's going to be competing next year in Tokyo. And it's just a real pleasure I hope you enjoy my conversation with Julian Vanonsky. I'm here with Julian Vanonsky, and Julian, I have a I have a bone to pick with you. Um, <laughs> okay. Because you know, I try really try to not have athletes from Cal on my podcast. <laughs> But uh, as a Stanford grad, uh, and you know, I, I I I couldn't resist, so I'm I'm breaking my own rule to have you on. I hope I hope you feel very privileged. Uh, as a matter of fact, you can't see me right now, but I am wearing a Stanford rowing shirt. Wait, what? Yep. What? How, what? How, <laughs> that, that, that can't be allowed. Uh, hey, I mean, I have friends that went to Stanford. A lot of the some of the guys on the team at the Stanford. I have no ill will. I mean, maybe that will be different on game days, obviously. But I know I I always thought the thing was when I listen when, when, during big game. I always you know cheered a little more loudly. But at the end of the day, I have no animosity toward Cal. Like during <laughs> the basketball tournaments, if Stanford's not going to win it, I hope Cal does. Yeah, but that's not why we <laughs> I had you on today. Um, you told me that you have. Never really been in the closet in in rowing. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I mean, I guess just a quick background of, of how I got into the sport of rowing. I, I rowed in high school, like actually rowed lightweight. Um, and then when I was looking at colleges, I really wanted to go to Cal, and, and they're one of the greatest um, programs in the country. And it's only a heavyweight program. And naturally, I'm sitting like 5'5", five, five, 120 pounds. So that's not a rower stature, obviously. Um, so I, I pivoted to being the coxswain, who's um, in an eight is that ninth person that's kind of um, steering the boat, has the microphone on, making sure race plans are, are being executed, that kind of a thing. Um, so that was kind of my foot into the door at Cal. And uh, I, I talked about this before, um, especially coming into a great program like that and, and being completely new as a coxswain in the sport. Um, I really focused my first two years on just trying to learn as much as I could. Just because I was a clean slate, I was just a sponge trying to soak in all of this knowledge from the coaching staff, from from guys on the team who are from around the world, not just kind of the United States or California. Um, and then as it came 
kind of halfway through my um, college career, my sophomore year, um, I started actually thinking about like, dating or, or what kind of my life I wanted to look like. Um, and I found my boyfriend on Tinder, obviously, or actually, um, we're still together. And that kind of was a little aha moment um, for me uh, that kind of allowed me to really um, dive into rowing and coxing even more and, and really go after it from 2014 on. And that's kind of where I found a lot of my success. And then moving into the, the national team, I never really had a huge coming out. I was kind of close with all of my friends at Cal. It wasn't really a big deal moving to the national team. We're a super tight-knit kind of family, and, and there wasn't really a big kind of announcement I ever had to make. Um, we're just kind of the way that we um, act and, and kind of go about our days is professional, but also super family-oriented. Um, so I never really had the need um, to, like, have a, 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 doing air quotes, a standard kind of coming out procedure. Yeah, not everybody, you know, holds a big team meeting and makes a big announcement. Mm -hmm. But somehow you let your teammates know that you're, you're, you're not like the rest of them. How mm -hmm. did you do that? Yeah, so I mean, at least at Cal, I told a handful of close friends. Um, and then it wasn't until I kind of started seeing my boyfriend seriously um, he also went to Cal, so it really wasn't a big deal. He ran track. Um, so we were kind of already in the same circles. And then it's just kind of we would show up to parties together instead of separately. And, and it was kind of as easy as that, really. Um, and then we've been together since then and moving to, again, the national team. He's friends with all the guys in the team. He's kind of been around. So it, I never really had to really tell anybody because that's just – I. I feel like it's um, it's just so normalized to me now that I don't even think about having to do that. So you're at Cal, you're on Tinder, and you stumble across another <laughs> varsity athlete who also happens to be gay. Yeah, it's it's like a um, it's like like the like the it's like the perfect uh, romantic story, except maybe for the Tinder part. These two like varsity athletes meet one another. <laughs> And fall in love and get married and everything is wonderful ever since. Um, so, well, tell me about, so you're, you're kind of, you're, you're out people in, in and around, you know, uh, and you, and you transition from Cal to the national team. Have you along the way in any way from anybody faced any kind of pushback for being gay? At least not to my face. Um, I feel like, and, and I feel extremely um, fortunate uh, for that because I know that's not always kind of the case. Um, but again, I, I think especially, and it's probably the same with every sport, but especially rowing, um, the teams kind of culture created at the collegiate level, especially. Um, and it, that goes through the entire sport, really. It's a crucible of, of really tight knit relationships. Um, because you, I lived with, I uh, went to school with, I celebrated with, I commiserated with the same people every single day for basically four years straight at Cal. Um, and when you do that, you really, I mean, obviously there's disagreements and, and things like that, but 
um, you create this this family dynamic of um, of positivity and and uplifting. And I think that also goes to the program at Cal and and the culture there that um, as much cutthroat as as it is. I mean, it's a Division One great program consistently in the top three um, on the on the national stage. Um, it's very uh, close and, and everyone is striving to get better as, as a team, and as a group. And that moving to the national team, we've all came from programs like that, like Cal. There's, I mean, Harvard, there's Stanford, there's Yale, Columbia, everything. Um, and that kind of moving to the national team, it's more of the same of we are a very tight knit group of people. It's maybe a little more professional now just because it's, it's kind of our day job. Um, but again, it's, there's so much, um, from my experience, mutual kind of respect of everyone's ability and everyone's accomplishments that um, it, it never really becomes an issue or hasn't become an issue for me, really. You're, you're, uh, you know, it's interesting you talk about what your family and your social circle and you really were the, the, the rowing team was your life. Were, did, were you able to or did you immerse yourself at all in the LGBTQ community at Cal or in the Bay Area? Um, at Cal, yeah, I was a member of um, the uh, LGBT kind of student athlete um, group. Uh, at the time, I know it's it's a, a lot more kind of active now, but at the time I was there when it, it first kind of got um, uh, initiated. Um, but other than that, I, I wasn't terribly kind of um, involved in, whether in San Francisco, I mean, we would go to Pride together and, and all that, but I mean, with a lot of kind of our time um, dedicated to, to rowing pretty much the majority of the day, um, that was kind of what my focus was on. Did you have gay friends other than your boyfriend, obviously, or was it the entirety of your social life, the rowing team? Uh, I had none. Um, I really never came, came across or had any kind of close friends until I met my boyfriend. He actually had a lot. So once we kind of were together, I, I met more people. I made so many more friends. I, I really think I um, kind of opened my what was kind of narrow viewpoint of, of only my experience to so many others um, at that point. But yeah, I mean, when you're in that kind of bubble of, of the program, um, that was kind of, kind of it at the, at the time. So why has it been as we're approaching the Olympics, well, we, we were approaching the Olympics and now I guess <laughs> we're approaching the Olympics again for the next year. Again. Actually, you should be there right now. Uh, yeah, well, it would have been, it would have been, rowing would have been over by now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I should be over yeah, there. You, know, you have to stay for the second week because that's the, that's the beauty of competing in the first week is that you get the entire second week free. You can go like, you can go explore. Yeah. Why is it, why is it important to you to share your story more publicly beyond just your, your team and your circle now? Yeah, so I think, especially with everything that's happened with coronavirus and all of that, I've I've done a lot of kind of talks with junior rowers or whatever, junior coxswains, um, answering questions, giving them kind of background of, of what it looks like to be in the trenches, so to speak. 
at the training center. And kind of as I, I went through that same kind of spiel of my background every other week, um, it was occurring to me that as much as, as, I mean, to stay on point with the rowing, it's kind of disingenuous to not um, talk about my life holistically, just because as I was going through the program and at Cal and in the national team, I really wasn't, say for maybe a few um, people, there wasn't a lot of um, examples that I could look up to or, or feel kind of on the same level as. Um, and now going into kind of the the lead up to the Olympic Games where the stage is, is just that little bit bigger, um, if there's anything that I could do to, to just honestly be a, a little bit of visibility. I'm literally nothing special. Um, but just to see that, hey, like, on the, the men's rowing team, like the coxswain of the eight uh, for the past three years, there's only one coxswain um, per country, like is an openly proud gay person. And it's, it's really not um, that big of a deal. So, and then as I was sort of doing that, that kind of reflection, um, I now started working with Athlete Ally on um, kind of just LGBT inclusion in, in sports in general and at, um, colleges kind of around the country. What has been the response since you started sharing your story more publicly? Honestly, all positive, And I feel incredibly fortunate. Um, again, I can only speak to what has been um, expressed to my face and to me directly. Um, but no, it's been extremely, extremely positive, which is um, incredibly uplifting to me. Um, just knowing that uh, as we kind of move forward into the future, um, maybe people that didn't think they had an opportunity to um, pursue something like this, um, there's now uh, at least an environment where it's it's definitely a little bit easier. And I mean, it's definitely not perfect yet, but if I can do just a little bit during my time, however long that be on the national team, um, then it's worth it in my book. You said you, you feel fortunate that you've had overwhelmingly positive response. So over the last five years, I have not encountered a single gay athlete who has had uh, an, an overall negative experience coming out. And each one of them feels like they're so fortunate to not have had the negative experience, but it seems like no one's having negative experiences. Are you talking to athletes who are having negative experiences uh, as they come out? Uh, I mean, I've never come across, I mean, there's only probably one or two that even come to mind that I would would be able to speak on. But both of those were, again, positive experiences, Um, which I mean, if that's the norm, if that's kind of the majority of of experience then that's amazing but also i can't fathom that emphatically uh it's going to be positive um every single time yeah definitely i mean you you can't guarantee anybody's experience is going to be positive or negative and you know from for me um you know the, the only the worst part of my coming out uh, has happened over the last 20 years with my husband and his his dad. I've never met his dad. We've been together for 17 years. His dad refuses to meet me. Uh, and, oh, wow. and it's 
I mean, it's just it's it's a it's a, it's a real pain during uh, around the holidays. But um, so I under, I totally get that that there are negative experiences. And what I've found is that the negative experiences people talk about when they do have them are from their family and their teammates and coaches are like, yeah, we have no problem. And, but their grandparents or their parents or an aunt or somebody has a problem. Did you, have you had a problem with your family? Uh, no, I have none of kind of my, my close family members. I've had any sort of negative experience with, um, so yeah. So the Olympics ahead, have you all qualified for the Olympics? So we the way that it works for rowing, we qualified last year the world championships were in Linz, Austria, um and we qualified the boat. So the men's eight from the United States is qualified to compete at the Tokyo Olympic Games. But every year we go through a completely different selection process. So the eight rowers, also the, the four that's part of the training center, um, and the one coxswain can be different every single year. Um, so even though the boat is qualified, we still have to go through the same selection process and procedure of um, actually making the eight. So I've been in the eight the last three years, but again, there's an amazing um, coxswain here with me at the training center. We compete every single day um, and we buy for the same seat. There's only one available. Um, so it's always now moving into um, the Olympic Games, even that more kind of important. Um, but it's always a uh, a competition between between us. That's the way it is with most team sports: is that the the mm -hmm. country qualifies a boat or a team or two or three, and then it's up to them, it's up to the country to select who is actually select in it. that. Boat. The the country mm -hmm. owns the the spot. Um, yeah. they dole it out. Is are you more motivated now that you're coming out and and your profile in the community is being raised and 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 you as a, a beacon of hope for the community and for people in the community is being elevated? Does that put more pressure on you and motivate you more to be that coxswain they pick? I wouldn't say that it it puts any more pressure on the situation. I actually think of it as a positive um, for me, at least internally going through kind of the stresses of, of selection. Um, and at least in the short time that kind of I've been working um, on that, it's, it's just another um, goal for me that, it, I mean, isn't the end all be all, but um, just thinking that, Hey, if I blink my eyes and a year from now, like we're sitting on the start line, like in Tokyo, I'll be even, that much more ecstatic to be there, um, especially as as an openly proud um, gay person. So, have you been in touch with Robbie Manson or any of the other uh, out elite uh, rowers? I know. Well, me and Robbie know each other. I think I only really met him once at a World Championships, um, but we really haven't uh, talked at length. But I mean, and the rowing community in general is is fairly small, so everyone kind of knows of everybody else. I, I, and I don't ask names, but have, have other gay rowers reached out to you and have connected with them? Um, I mean, from my time at Cal, I know Martin Herkmans, who is uh, on the Dutch Dutch um, national team. Um, he recently did. Um, 
And I mean, we were in 2016, that was my senior year. He was in the eight with me that we, we won the national championship. Um, so talking to him and kind of not wanting to, to discuss kind of his journey and story, but um, I've been extremely kind of um, proud to, to at least be a part of, of, of his personal journey. So I'm, 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 I'm glad you brought us back to Cal because I want to ask you about, so was it, your, was it your senior year that you won the national championship? So I won the national championship in 2014, which was my sophomore year, um, which is the summer that I met my boyfriend and kind of everything exploded uh, in terms of, of success for me. Um, and that was in the second varsity eight. But then in 2016, my senior year, we won the national championship. I was in the varsity eight. And then Cal as a program, the team, we won the points trophy as well. What was that like? I mean, being, what's it like holding up a, a trophy of a national championship? Uh, I mean, it was definitely, I thought the bookend to my rowing career, um, just because being a new Cox and going into Cal, like that was really where I, I learned and I, and I grew and I only thought that was, that was the extent of my world. Um, and going through that, I mean, everyone can kind of attest to that going through four years, especially with my graduating class of 2016. Um, and then finally it culminating in in a national championship, which was um, the first time Cal won in, in a while in the varsity. Um, I can still completely recall that race from start to finish. Um, and it was super surreal to finally um, kind of stand on the medals dock and, and feel uh, just fulfilled that, that four years of work kind of paid off. Educate us a little bit about the role of the coxswain. You know, you talk about all all the hard work, and you can remember the race. And Joe Knucklehead sitting there watching rowing, you're like, "Oh, why are these eight guys doing all this work?" And this one other guy just sitting there saying, "You know, uh, with with a mic on." Yeah. What are the, some of the most difficult parts of of pre- preparing for a race and and being that person during the race who's who's steering the ship. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'll say unequivocally, if I could snap my fingers and grow a foot and gain a hundred pounds and row, I 100% would. Um, But sadly, that's not possible for me. Um, But as much as, I mean, it's, it's from an outsider's perspective, it's easy to say that I really don't do a lot. I sit there, I steer and I talk into a microphone. Um, But as much as the, the rowers kind of in front of me are, putting everything on the line kind of physically. Um, it's, it's of course, more of a mental game sitting in that ninth seat. Uh, and I think it, it, in theory and, and by definition, it's, it's not a difficult job to do, but it is a very difficult job to do well. Um, and I think just from kind of my transition from rowing into coxing, the learning curve was incredibly difficult um, just because the the way of communication that you need to execute being just simple, succinct, um, every, you only have about five and a half minutes um, down the course, which may seem like a long time, but when you're in it, 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 it flies by. Um, so you really have to pick and choose your words carefully and can have absolutely no filler. Um, and of course, you're, as much as I believe it, it's a hundred percent a team effort. Just like if I didn't have eight rowers in front of me, I'd still be sitting in the starting line. And technically, if you look at the rule book, 
I'm the only one that needs to cross the finish line in order for the boat to, to finish the race. Um, but it, it 100% is, is a team uh, endeavor and, and a team sport. Um, and I'm just kind of the conduit with, from all of our coaching and all of our practicing and all of our preparation. Um, and my whole kind of outlook is my only job is to make those eight guys' lives as easy as possible because I know that they're doing exactly what they need to do and, and they're just trusting me to do mine and, and keep everyone on the same page. So, you know, I never really thought of it that way. It's really, they're the oarsmen and you're Cleopatra. Like, it's their job to get you across the, the finish line. Like, they're, they're, they're just doing the work. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're the one who has to cross. Yeah. What's next for you? I, you know, I mean, is, is, is the season and everything completely upside down? And, I mean, do you have any idea when competitions are going to resume? Um, I have no idea. And I make it a point to not really think about it. Um, I had a plan coming into 2020 and what I was going to do after and all of that, but kind of as everything unfolded, um, it kind of forces everybody to, to rethink, um, kind of everything that you you already planned and, and be a little more flexible. So, I mean, for right now, still trying to get ready for whenever the next race comes around, whether that be in early 2021 if we can do world cups or or whatever or in all the way in tokyo in the summer or even the next two years i don't know i'm not ruling anything out and i'm I'm also trying to be as um, as flexible as possible i always say that um i always keep doing something until i don't enjoy it anymore and there hasn't been a moment that i haven't enjoyed this so why try to fix something that isn't broken well, I, I thank you for, for being out and being visible. There are so few out men in elite sports, and I, I am so hopeful that you will be one of the 100-plus out Olympians in Tokyo next year because um, there, there's going to be 100-plus, and I think, I think the, the, the storylines of LGBTQ athletes will be a, a, a focal point for the stories that the media is telling at, at those games. So I hope that you're a part of that. Uh, I'm sure you hope so too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I, I end every interview with the same two questions uh, and off of the, the Olympics, who's an Olympian who's inspired you throughout your life or even recently? Um, so I think maybe this is a, a poor answer, but um, I would have to say, and this is fairly recently just because I've really never had, I never thought the Olympics would be possible for me going through college or, or whatever until the last, I don't know, two or three years. Um, and I would have to say Alex Kowalski, who is a member of the training center. He was um, in the eight in the Rio games. Um, and when I kind of first came to the training center, he was one of the veteran guys. Um, and he just really, made the experience of which can be overwhelming of you're on the national team like you can't get any higher than this he he made it incredibly um welcoming to me uh guided and it still do i still look up to him as as kind of um my best uh kind of any sort of advice that i can get from him um so i would i would have to say alex kolowski 
as I mentioned before, the name of the podcast comes from the line in Lord of the Rings. And I know you're not a huge Lord of the Rings fan, but you don't, but you've seen the movies. Um, is there a, a character or a moment in one of those movies that, that stands out to you? Um, character, just off the top of my head, or actually, I guess, scene. Um, well, it'd be Legolas. And it was, I don't know what movie, but when they were, it was Frodo and, and all of them walking in snow. And he was just kind of, because elves don't really weigh a lot. Um, just kind of gliding over top of it when they're all sludging through. I don't know. That just, that just sticks to me. And I guess um, is a great, not to read too much into it, but a great little metaphor of, of kind of how I like to go through things of, of not really let anything bog you down. Just, just kind of keep, keep moving forward in a positive kind of way. So and, I don't know if I got a literary reading of that. Well, to take the analogy even further, I mean, he, he was the lighter one and he was steering the ship, right? So he was the one who could see yeah. ahead. And uh, so I guess Legolas is the, the coxswain of uh, Lord of the Rings. I never thought about it that oh, way. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. And if there's anything we can ever do to help you out, please let me know. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you again for, uh, for having me. Here's hoping that Julian will be competing in Tokyo there, while there are so many out LGBTQ athletes at the Olympic Games, we think there are going to be over 100 next year. There's still, the vast majority are still women, and it'd be great to have another out guy at the Games. If you want to follow Julian Vanonsky, you can find him on Instagram at Julian Vanonsky. Uh, that's S-K-Y at the end, um, J-U-L-I-A-N-V-E-N-O-N-S-K-Y. I hope you caught that. Anyhow, just look up Julian Vanonsky. <laughs> you can figure it out. Next week, we have a really cool episode with a trans athlete who has represented her country at, at, on the international stage uh, uh, with both the country's men's team and the women's team. So definitely come back next week for that conversation. And it's, 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 it's pretty eye-opening. She has quite the story. And we'll, we'll talk to you then.